This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 87. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with the traveling man, the guy who hasn't been around for weeks and weeks, the guy trekking across America, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's up, dude? It is good to be home. I'm finally back in my office for at least a couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to have you home, man. It's it's tough when you're not around. Thanks. Yeah, I had a good time. I went to the uh, Minnesota State Fair and a family reunion, played at a wedding, got to see a uh, a uh, cop chasing a cow down the road in Montana. <laughs> that was exciting. And nice. uh, yeah, it's been a good good time and I'm 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 back home. So deep fried butter? I did not get any deep fried butter this but time. But you got a you bucket know. of cookies, I saw. I did get a bucket of cookies, sweet Martha's cookies. If you uh if you're a Minnesota person, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say like I would kill someone for them. I never got a bucket in my mailbox. I you was know, waiting. Here's the thing with Sweet Martha cookies. They're not as good about 15 minutes after you buy them. <laughs> you have to eat the whole bucket when they're hot and warm and amazing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Everyone's now really jealous. Be jealous, yeah, people. It sounds good. It sounds. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, today, I'm glad you're back. It's awesome. I'm, I'm ecstatic. Um, also, we, we, we kind of have a cool announcement. We've got, we got a new team member here on Bigger Pockets. I think I might have announced her last week, but I'll say it again. Uh, we've got Alice, Allison Leung, and uh, she is our community manager now, and she's our lead editor on the blog. She's awesome. So shout out to Allison uh, for being a, a rock star woo woo. and taking over lots of the duties that Brandon and myself and our good friend Jaron have been helping with. So uh, thanks, uh, thanks again to Allison. That said, we got a really, really good show today. We really, really do. Uh, today, we're going to hear an incredible story of a real estate investor who jumped in quickly, got really excited about real estate, ended up losing everything in the crash. He lost it all. Uh, it was tragic. Uh, the story is phenomenal, and there's a lot of lessons to, to be learned, so definitely pay attention. Uh, the show is, is truly one of the more honest looks at what can go wrong with real estate uh, and, and, uh, it's, it's fantastic. So definitely pay attention. There's a ton of great tips. So, uh, please, please stick around. All right. Cool. 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 Well, anyway, listen, uh, and, and, and that kind of leads to today's quick, quick tip. tip. All right. Today's quick tip. If you are interested in getting your brand's message in front of tens of thousands of real estate enthusiasts, you can advertise directly here on the bigger pockets podcast. If you're interested in that, send an email to advertise at biggerpockets.com or fill out our form at biggerpockets.com slash advertise. All right, that's go. it. Let's let's get to this thing. Let's bring in our guest, Nathan Brooks. He's a full-time real estate investor from Roland Park, Kansas. I I couldn't find it on on a map, but but yeah, yeah, it's somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. He does a mix of both <laughs> fix and flips and rentals uh, while still working a full-time job. And uh, like I said earlier, his story is really, really incredible and inspiring. So with that, and he's funny, he by the way. He is funny. And did you know my song that was I was humming? That was, uh, yeah, that was Wizard of yeah, Oz. Yeah, The Witch. Kansas. Yeah, okay, I, know, good. Okay. I know. Just yeah, making sure you it. get pop culture. Come on. I made a reference okay. later on the show. <laughs> okay. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income 
With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. Take a second and imagine this. Immediate cash flow, above average rent, built-in equity, and a foolproof exit plan. No, it's not 2012 again. This is just what it's like to invest with Integra Development Group. They've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest. With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above market rent, so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three, helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today. Anyway, his story is incredible. And why don't we bring him in? So uh, Nathan, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks so much, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. We're glad to have you. You've been writing on the blog lately. And uh, I really, really, I just want to tell you this publicly. I love reading your articles every week. It's just like, you're like one of my favorite writers. And I just, I get a kick out of every week. So Why thank you. Why don't you guys get a room? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, well, people should check it out. No, his well, articles are really good. Well, thank you very much. I, that means a lot. And I enjoy writing them. Well, cool. Well, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, how did you get into real estate? Uh, Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of these blog, uh, you know, podcasts and read a lot of blogs and, and, um, I I think 
my story r- runs along the same lines as, you know, I, I really uh, was an unintentional investor at the beginning. Uh, I wanted to be in real estate, but I didn't necessarily have any idea what I was doing. And um, I literally met a guy sitting in a restaurant who was talking about real estate at a different table who had nothing to do with me, walked over, introduced myself, and boom, a few weeks later, I have a business partner. Wow. Wait, so you you were having lunch with your friend, spouse, wife, whatever, and, and you start listening to the conversation of the people next to you. That's kind of nosy, man. <laughs> there, are, there are a few ways you could look at that, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're listening to this guy. He's talking about real estate. Like, I mean – it's pretty bold. I mean, you know, we all listen to conversations around us, but like to get up and be like, Hey man, wow, that's fascinating. Like how did, how did that go? I'm, I'm just curious. Cause hey, if I did real, it, I'd probably get punched in the face. Real quick. Speak, <laughs> speaking of that, about listening to people, every time I've ever eaten lunch or dinner with Josh Dorkin here, I mean, every meal we've ever eaten together when we're at a conference, or whatever, Josh like strikes up like this super good friendship with the people sitting next to us. <laughs> Like the last time we went to this like Italian restaurant, these ladies invited Italian? us. Or wasn't Italian? Yeah, they, they wanted Italian. us. Italian. It was Italian, but yeah. Well, whatever. It's the I'm emphasis not... that matters. Yeah, okay, right. whatever. So, like, the lady invited us, like, come stay at her like house up in Canada, and like, I don't know. Everywhere we go, Josh buds in the. And the other Italian restaurant the day before was was yeah same yeah same thing. Yeah. Anyway, okay, back to you. So I, I don't well, remember see, Josh's question. Here's but. the thing: I can get the life story out of anybody in ten minutes, regardless. So. You know, the, the approaching part was not the scary part. It, it was what came after that, which was, hey, this is great. Hey, we became best buds. Hey, we had a bunch of meetings. And hey, uh, the first day I bought a house, I bought two with no money uh, on an assumable loan through a local bank. Wow. And uh, boom, I was a real estate investor. So wow. you walked in and picked up two properties, bang, with no idea what the heck you were doing because you were listening to a guy sitting and eating a sandwich <laughs> next to you. And now you're like, what on earth do I do? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey, yeah, that's scary, isn't it? <laughs> it was not necessarily looking back my best move. <laughs> yeah. L- let, me, let me ask you real quick about the guy you met. Um, was he like... I don't know. I, I don't want to say like old, but he was an older. He was an older investor. I'm assuming, right? Like not like your age or what? Not, he? not really, man. He was he was like uh, a couple of years older. You know, he's that that strong, fit, athletic. You know, boisterous, <laughs> brilliant. You know, I was fired up. I'm like, man, this guy is gonna be the meal ticket. You know, and this guy knows what he's doing, and he's gonna be a great partner. And I'm gonna learn this business uh, along with him. Uh, however, that is not how the story uh, wah, wah. unfolded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you got these two properties. You're partnered with him now. How 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 was that partnership set up? How'd you guys do it? So it's fifty fifty. I bought the I bought the properties and financed them, and he was the construction guy and was going to run the crews, get the rehabs done, and so forth. So were these flips or buy and holds? They were flips. Okay, so you wait. Okay, you started with two flip projects at once, never having done anything before. Oh, yeah. Almost 400K worth. Oh, yeah. That's a really bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right, So you're (laughs) knee-deep in these two projects. You're freaking out, ripping your hair out, going crazy. How? Like, let's walk us through what that experience was like and why anybody listening who has never done a deal should never do what what you did. 
Well, uh, because as you uh, go a few weeks into this process and this so-called business partner oh. begins not showing up, uh, begins not doing the work, begins not answering his telephone, oh. uh, then shows up on Friday with his handout for, uh, you know, a lot of cash. Oh. Um, yeah. So that that's not how you do it, folks. Okay. That. That's just stupid. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So not only did I get myself into two properties, not only did I really not have any money in the first place, nor did I have no, I, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Then I simply, uh, you know, was, was stuck in a position where I had no idea how to get out. Okay. So, so you're partnered with a guy who flamed out, who basically wasn't there for you, who was a flake, I guess it sounds like, um, Let's let's just get into that. You know, we don't have to talk about who he is or anything else. But for folks listening, how could you have avoided that situation? Well, there's a, a few things. First of all, don't go into business with somebody you don't know. Uh, it's stupid. You know. Second is once I realized the problem was happening, rather than actually getting out of the situation and either selling the houses or you know just just really solving the problem, I kept feeding the problem, which was paying him, trying to make it work, trying to keep the deals together, you know, because at the end of the day, I thought that th we had two great properties and two great deals that I could start with that would help launch my real estate career. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and at some point it's kind of, it may become unavoidable for, for an investor to not work with somebody that they don't know, you know, I, I, ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're probably not going to be doing deals with your best friends. So you're, you're more, more likely than not working with folks that you, you're, you've got some kind of borderline relationship with. What, what are the key things that you would want to know about somebody to ensure that, you know, are you going to do a background check? Are you going to screen them in any particular way to see that, you know, they're, they're not going to kind of screw you over like that? Well, sure. Well, I guess more so not necessarily not knowing them, but having a relationship built around maybe other people that you know or a personal uh, relationship connection like through Bigger Pockets, for instance, and that you can vet somebody through other people that have worked with them or that you know that they've done deals. Yeah. You know, no, that's that's good. And and really quickly, um, just because somebody's on Bigger Pockets doesn't mean that they're vetted. And and I want to point that out to everybody. You know, I I'm the person who should be like, yeah, Bigger Pockets is the greatest place ever. And it is. But, <laughs> you know, we don't vet people. You know, people, there are plenty of people on the site that, you know, we, we're not an investigative body. We can't go out and look at everybody who joins the site. So you have to do your due diligence on BP. Bigger Pockets is just a, you know, a miniaturization of the world, so to speak. And, and you know, I, I can't press upon folks enough that that's really important. Just because they're on BP doesn't mean, or they're active on BP doesn't mean that somebody's, uh, you know, trustworthy. So just keep that in mind. Yeah. I, you know, it's just kind of protect yourself. Yep. And we, we did talk about that also with like, uh, Mehran Kamari and Don Anastasi, which we had both on, on the podcast. Now, uh, they found each other through bigger pockets. And I asked both of them that question is like, how did you find a good partner? And both of them kind of had the same answer, right? It was, they were, they looked for people who were active in the community, people who were engaged, people who were knowledgeable, people who were, uh, you know, obviously like showing effort that they knew what they were doing. And that is the great thing. The more you hang around people, uh, the more you see how they interact with others, the more you can kind of gauge them and, and decide if you want to work with them. And that's BP or in the real world, no matter what, you know, maybe it's not a good idea to jump in first day, 
you know, this guy seems to like real estate. Clearly, we're going to be good partners. <laughs> Would you agree, Nathan? <laughs> Nobody's laughing at you, Nathan. <laughs> right. No, no. And, and believe me, I, I've learned my own lesson. And, and it didn't, it, it actually got worse after that. Uh, but uh, the, the point with that was that we, uh, we I could have done a better job. And in, in the end of the day, uh, you can find a great partner that maybe you don't know, but you start smaller. Don't go buy two houses. Don't go get yeah. two huge process, you know, projects to do. So start somewhere smaller where you can vet them. Gotcha. Yeah. How did this play out? So you said it got worse. I mean, let's 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 hear it, man. Testify. <laughs> <laughs> well, not only did we buy those two houses, but then within the next uh, you know eighteen months or so, we bought half a dozen more houses, and uh, we own multiple rentals. In, this is uh, with, this is with the guy, the same guy. No, actually, uh, I I have, of course found another investor on Craigslist who had multiple properties for sale. I I could always negotiate a deal. It was never a problem. I can negotiate any deal with anything. I can always you know get the deal that I want to work the way that I want it to. But in this case, because the deals weren't good and I didn't have the background to say, hey, I I need to make sure I understand what the deals are. So I got into them without really having an understanding of what I'd got myself into. So okay. now we we own nearly, you know, million dollars worth of real estate and I have this partner failing. I have these uh properties that are mostly section 8 tenant uh occupied and literally one of them that I purchased, I walked up to the house the first day I'd owned it and the tenant boom, moving out. So uh another one had, you know, uh, mold issues and one had foundation issues and there's a whole host of things that I just royally messed up. How soon did these other properties follow the first two and, and did they follow after you had closed on the first two or were you still rehabbing them when you bought the third and the fourth? We were still rehabbing the first two properties uh, and I, they all came kind of in a succession uh, you know, three or four months later and then another you know, a m- month or two later. Okay, so so you know, there's this concept. It, it's uh, paralysis by analysis, right? Uh, you know, I'm sure everybody listening has heard us talk about it. And paralysis by analysis is, you know, you 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 don't make a move because you're just frozen by evaluating and deal, you know, and trying to figure out what to do. And and I'm not. I'm going to call you out here, Nathan. You're on the show. You know, you know what you're in for. Nathan here has done the complete opposite of paralysis by analysis. Nathan here, I, I I'm I. I tried to come up with something clever, but I can't really coin anything. But he's literally so excited about real estate that he's just buying stuff and and not really prepared for what he's buying. And no idea. And and I I was guilty of that early on as well. Yeah, same here. And it's equally as dangerous as anything else that you can do in this industry. And in fact, I think it might potentially be the worst thing that you could possibly do in the industry is get so excited and just say, you know, I'll figure it out. Let me, let me jump in. Let me just keep buying, buying. You know, there was something to say to figuring things out as you go along. But yeah, I, I, I want to press upon folks to be careful and not have 10 projects going at once or two projects going at once until you start to figure out how to do one. Um, and I'm not trying to use you as an example, but I am because, you know, it, it just works. Um, so, all right. So you're in this horrible situation. You've got all these things happening. How did it play out? I mean, clearly it's going to, it's going to blow up in your face, right? It blows up. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> everything, everything goes 
to hell in a handbasket. And I literally, one by one, uh, the the banker on the two first properties starts calling the note due. I try to have a deed in lieu of foreclosure on one, uh, which he agrees to, and then subsequently sends a a lawsuit, um, you know, filing to my house a, a week or two later, begins collecting rent illegally from the tenants who I then at that point placed in the house because I had no contractor. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't really even have a lease in place. Uh, with those people who were living there just trying to pay for, you know, covering the monthly, you know, mortgage amounts on those houses. Um, the other two, you know, m multiple properties, one we ended up losing in foreclosure, we had a short sale on another house, um, and, and eventually we literally filed Chapter 7 and lost literally every single thing, every piece of property, you know, and we'd, we'd spent every dime of cash that we had trying to save them wow. up to that point. What? Wow. Wow. The, uh, when was this? This sounds like the crash. I mean, was this when everyone else was? This losing? was the crash. Yep. Okay. Yep. So this, 2007, was, this was 2008, somewhere in there. Nine. Yep. 2009 is when okay. we filed. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, so you went from, you know, no, nothing to this big portfolio and, you know, from the outside, everything looks good, but you know, you, the systems weren't there. The, the, the education wasn't there. And, you know, the, the empire was kind of crumbling under your, under your feet. Um, so it all fell apart chapter seven. And, and now where are you? I mean, mentally, are you like, Hey, I, but I still love real estate. Or are you just like, get me the heck away from anything to do with real estate? Well, there was a period of mourning for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I built the empire. I told my wife, you know, we were going to have this awesome business and, you know, I failed. Um, uh, but at the end of the day, for me, we had, we had a decision to make, which was, do we learn from the mistakes that we just put ourselves through and do we jump back in and go after it and learn from the mistakes we made? Or do we, you know, go through all that pain and suffering, and then uh, do nothing with the education that we just learned, uh, you know, received. Yeah. Uh, and so for for us, um, we jumped back in <laughs> much more uh, uh, that, that I was excited about than my wife. Believe me. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so we jumped in uh, to real estate eighteen months later uh, with fifty percent cash down uh, and a private money uh, guy who you know, was expensive, of course. And I had asked 27 times before I got a yes uh, for private money to uh, buy our first property after post-bankruptcy. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's serious. That's serious. Um, I, I just want to cycle back on one, one item left, but, you know, the, the pre-crash, so to speak. And, um, you know, clearly this guy was not a great partner to have, the first partner. Um, what what was the what was the final straw? What put you over the edge? Because you put up with a lot of nonsense for a long time. Why? Wh when when did he kind of finally get to you? <laughs> you 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 couldn't even write the story, man. It's it's one of those where uh, literally had taken. I can't even believe I did all of these things, but I had put, I had a business credit card. He had literally taken the business credit card, which of course I'd put him on and, uh, out of town trip with some person, uh, and literally spent additional money, not only the money, tens of thousands of dollars really that I had paid him over the course of 
probably two months trying to get him in and out of getting this construction stuff done. And so not only lost tens of thousands of dollars, not only uh, he'd put money on this credit card, but, uh, you know, then there started being a feeling of like, my life could actually be in danger or this guy really, you know, I don't know if he's schizophrenic or I don't know if he's bipolar or I don't know if, you know, what is it about this person that my life is actually, you know, it could be in danger at this point and I should, I should really extricate myself from it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that. That's, it's, it sounds horrible and, and, and I don't wish that upon you or anyone else uh, who's, who's listening or anyone else, period. I mean, that's, that's, that sounds awful. And, um, uh, clearly, you walked away with with a few lessons. Um. It, it was, and and it was horrible. And I think the point of this, and the reason why I'm willing to talk about it, and that I want people to hear the story, is that there's two th- things. One, uh, it's okay to go slower. And and I know we hear a lot of these amazing stories about people who uh, have built these incredible businesses. And and I believe me, I I want to do that. And I think you guys share in that feeling. Uh, and and we have to understand how to make it sustainable and how to grow with that business and and two that that it's okay to fail and it's okay to understand where we come from and we can we can look back on it as long as we're learning from it and we're making a a conscious choice to um not make those same mistakes yeah Yeah. well well, let's let's just say hypothetically you could go back in time and do it all over again uh Mm -hmm. knowing what you know now what would you do differently like this time around and and people who are listening to this podcast who are just getting started and they're super excited and they're in your shoes five years ago what what would you do well michael quarles had a line in one of the uh, podcasts of you know he didn't know what he didn't know yeah and um and i didn't know uh so you know looking at at those two properties would i've still bought them maybe maybe i would have but I, I would have certainly brought in a business partner that I understood uh, the person as well as understood their abilities within the the deal. And so in that hypothetical situation, there was money to be made. And, and the properties, looking back, were, were great properties. And if it would have been done right and it would have uh, run smoothly and the guy wouldn't have been a crook, uh, we would have made money and we probably would be telling a very different story today. Yeah. But it's not what happened. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Wow. I look back on some of my early properties that I have, you know, that are, um, you know, some of the first few that, I mean, I have a property that I worked on for a solid year myself, my wife and I every day fixing this thing up. I've told this story before. And then it sat on the market for a year and we ended up selling it and breaking even. So I lost two years of my life essentially. Right. And a couple other ones that were just bad rental properties that I lose money on every month. But like, I don't know if I were to go back, I don't think I would change a thing about that because like the lessons I learned will make me a better and have made me a better investor today and have helped me to, you know, be able to share my story to help other people just like you're doing today. Um, So I kind of, you know, can resonate with that, that, you know, it sucks and I wouldn't want to go through it again. But, you know, there is something to say about the lessons you learn from failure. So. Yeah. Absolutely. And also even just on the rental properties that we've purchased and the ones that I purchased now are just so much different. They're structured differently. I have much less leverage and I have much more cash flow. And so to be able to understand what I need to have in reserves and those kind of things versus what I'm bringing in on a consistent basis from rent and, and really understanding what that looks like and what, what your business model actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we're, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna call you the comeback kid, Nathan, because you know, you, you, <laughs> right? I mean, you had this the, this tr- tragic beginning, and and presumably, I mean, we haven't heard the story, but but presumably things turned around, 
And and so I I, w- I want to talk about you know picking up the pieces after after you know this really tough failure and and you know loss where where you know everything went wrong. So you know you're you're at this low point and and now let's start bringing it back up. Bring it back up. So first thing that happens, you know you 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 know everything went sour. You talk to your wife. You've kind of you're back in that position where you can get that first deal. What what did that look like? Well, at the time, uh, it, it was a rental. It was a little rental property. And in our market here in Kansas City, uh, there's a few different places you can buy that kind of 2% rule kind of property. It's everybody likes to talk about on the, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, we, so where we could make a, a good cash flow and we could also get into that property because it wasn't that expensive. And so the first property we purchased, it was $21,000. is a three-bed, one-bath, 1,300-square-feet house, and it rents for 800 bucks a month. Wow. So put a couple grand into it. I'd literally put 50% down, so you know, roughly $10,000. And uh, we, you know, immediately had a renter within just a few weeks. And uh, I still own that property today. And that house is worth 70 grand. And uh, we just refinanced it actually and pulled a bunch of cash out um, nice. to buy another property in that same neighborhood. Nice. So l- let's talk about that property a little bit. I mean, what kind of property can you buy for $20,000? You know what I mean? Like that, that seems just, even in my area, that's crazy low, right? Like what kind of tenants do you get? What kind of neighborhood is it? He's in Kansas, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> well, mind you, Kansas is, is, you know, it's kind of like a Minneapolis or anything else, you know, one of those kind of cities that has a lot of outlying areas. So, uh, yes, I, I do appreciate the Kansas joke there, but, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a joke. I knew I could... <laughs> I've, I've driven through Kansas, man. That is one of the toughest, toughest states in this country to drive across. I mean, talk about wanting to bash your head into a window. You don't like corn? I thought Ohio was worse. I thought uh, Ohio was worse. You know what? Ohio, Illinois is bad. Ohio's bad. It's just flat with straight and nothing. And you're like, oh my God, get me out of here. Get me out of here. Get me out of here. Or maybe that's just me. That's when you no. listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast, Josh. Uh, well, you know, if you read one of my blog posts that, you know, my wife and I listened to, you know, a couple dozen while we had you know two screaming small children in the car driving from to and from Pennsylvania from Kansas it's a it's a long drive yeah yeah it's tough I've done that <laughs> so anyway, so yeah so what I mean what what kind of tenants are you getting at a twenty thousand dollar property and okay well uh, remembering back to that this was still really in the in the the crash time and not the the trajectory going yeah. higher and so we were able to buy it, you know, now knowing that that house is in a, a really pretty good neighborhood. And so it, it's probably a C property, as we'd call it. Uh, there's not a lot of crime. There's a little, there's there's some issues here and there, but not really any that we've dealt with. Um, this particular tenant, uh, it, you know, is, has a family and there's several kids um, and they pay on time and we really have very little problems uh, as far as, you know, the actual property is concerned. So, you know, it, it's really a pretty good property, pretty good neighborhood. The the only caveat to that is that today you can't, you certainly can't buy that house for twenty one thousand dollars. That that deal is no longer there. So, yep. gotcha. Yep. So, how are you finding properties today? I mean, I don't know if we want to shift over to that part of the the podcast now, but I mean, if you can't buy that one anymore for twenty, what are you doing today? Well, well, t- uh, you know, to be honest, there was actually a house on that same street. Um, which by the way, I, I thought it was perfect because 
the street name was Harmony, and I loved in my life to be able to get back into real estate, and the first deal was on Harmony, and uh, so it was kind of one of those moments where um, I felt like the stars had aligned, and we came back to to uh, a place that made sense. Oh, that's great. And uh, so there's actually a house on that same street uh, that I just missed, unfortunately, because it didn't get out of investor uh, time. It was a, a HUD or a Aria property, and uh, you know, uh, but it was it was thirty thousand dollars for a two bedroom, one bath. Uh, but I still would have bought it all day long because that you can rent those houses in that neighborhood, you know, so quickly, and you get great tenants. So yeah, that's kind of a barometer on what they are now. And and are you managing your own properties now? Is and and are you just doing rentals? Are you doing flippings as well? And are you managing yourself? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, just got through firing my property manager um, because they had just done a terrible job, and uh, there was some disrepair on this property, on this particular property, and and we uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't really realize how far gone. And 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 for people listening, even though you have a property manager, it doesn't mean they're managing anything. And so you you still have to do your due diligence. And and for me, that meant I'm going to go buy that property at least a few times a year and make sure I understand. And I'm always checking in with the management company that, so that they know, hey, I'm here. I, I want to note that this property is cared for. Yeah, that, that's really good advice. And, you know, it's funny. I... I'm in. Uh, I'm going through paperwork right now for a property I sold. You know, you know, six, seven years ago, and uh, <clears throat> it's just going through it this weekend. As a matter of fact, and I looked at, uh, I looked at uh, the the information that my property manager was sending me. I had a tenant that was six months behind in rent <laughs> that was still sitting in the in in their apartment. I. I'm. I cannot believe. I cannot fathom. A that they did not do anything, and B that I didn't know enough to say. You guys need to do something. I mean, it's it's astounding. It's astounding that that you know, looking back, that that was even possible. So you know, just because you have a management company doesn't mean they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because and do not, please, people, do not allow somebody who is, you know, one month, three months, six months, you know. When somebody's late in their first month, you know, you send them a notice, and if they don't take care of it, you get them out. Period. You know that I'm 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 kicking myself in the behind right now. You know, seven years later for for what I did, I I can't believe it. Well, we learned those lessons, and and for us now too, we you know we don't mess around with that at all. They're late and past whatever the lease is, a couple days, boom, they get that three-day pay or quit. That's it. Yeah, we don't, yeah. we don't mess around and and we we take care of our properties. They're beautiful, they rent quickly, uh and you know, they know they have their job and we have our job and they better do theirs. How do you how do you make a unit stand out above other units in in the area? How do you compete against other uh rental units beyond what you said keep your units beautiful? I mean, is there anything else that you do to stand out amongst the the crowd? Well, I think one of the things, like in these C kind of neighborhoods, there's a lot of people that don't care that much about their properties. Yep. And from the from the get go, when they walk in that property, you know, it has a little bit nicer uh, features. We actually take time and put money into the bathroom. We take time and put some money into the kitchen. Not not to the point that we can't get it back out, but that when they walk in, they want to live there. Yeah. You know, and we're going to get top market rent for the area. Uh, we're going to have less uh, vacancy days. We're going to have less things that break because we're going to say, hey, listen, you know, uh, this is nice. And if you break it, you're buying it. Yeah. Um, and and so 
you know, we set the expectation at the front. Do you find that they do take care of uh, the the properties? I, I did not have very good success in, in city properties um, uh, and found that things were destroyed constantly. Um, so with with putting in higher end uh, things, do you, do you see that they're treated better or? or eh? Well, you know, I, I don't know when, when we, you know, see obviously any of these kind of things we we have our own uh, litmus test on what sure. C property means yeah, yeah. Uh, for for these you know I, I really have had a lot better success now it, it's not like when I had the section eight tenants in those properties and I would have called that more like a D neighborhood yeah um, it, it was terrible and they didn't care they didn't take care of anything it was it it wasn't a good situation and that's not what my business model is now. It's a better neighborhood than that. It's a better tenant than that. And so we've had a lot of success with that. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, so do you do any flipping now? We do. Uh, you know, and I, I've, I've tried to take some time to every time I look at a deal and, and every time I, I think through what, what the options are, uh, the more that we understand, and the more that we can see through what we've done, we can have a better idea of how to approach the deals. And so, for instance, one that we're doing right now, uh, we actually, I had it under contract, but then there was far more work that had to be done in a foundation issues, and they're all over my market. Uh, foundation, you know, you can spend a lot of money very quickly. And uh, this particular one, the lady uh, owed more money on it than it was worth, and so she couldn't really do a short sale for, for some various reasons. And so instead of her bringing more money out of pocket, I told her, listen, I will, I will run this like it was my flip. Uh, I will just charge you a flat uh, amount of money. And I told her kind of basically everything, what it, what it would have looked like, what I would have made, and made it very appealing for her so that she could have somebody that she understood uh, would be able to get her out of it. And, I, and, and through that, I still made uh, a great – you know, a great amount of money on the deal. Uh, I had no risk, zero, because I have I don't own it. I didn't pay for the contractors. I didn't pay for the foundation. And by the way, we literally dug out an entire twenty foot, you know, long uh, nine foot deep hole and pushed an entire wall up with this deal in um, a full renovation inside. And uh, I was able to save her, you know, fifteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars when she sold it because you know she didn't have to come out of pocket to pay it since she was so far in the hole. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting ways. Everybody, you know, th there's so many deals out there, and there's so many ways to structure a deal. Um, another flip we're working on right now is a huge project. It's you know, 2,400 square foot house. It's a full renovation. It was like the cat lady kind of deal, and it, you know, <laughs> you can smell this house. No jokes, the, Josh. No jokes. <laughs> it's like Brandon's from the corner house, of the huh? street, guys. From the corner <laughs> of the street, you can smell the house. Uh, oh, doors man. open. Was it like hoarding or just cats? Uh, it was cats Cause, and cigarettes. Because they go uh, hand in hand. <laughs> they do uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> luckily, um, luckily, it was not a hoarding house. Actually, the house that my wife and I bought was a hoarder house. And, it, and come to find out, it took them 17 months to just get the house cleared out before they could even sell it. Wow. Uh, wow. And uh, so that's a whole other story. But Hey, on, uh, you, you, so you talk about the cat house, the cat lady. You know, hi, how you doing? Here's my cats. You know, she got the cigarette in one hand. She got the cats flying around on her. She's throwing them at you like Brandon no, no, does. No, no, you don't understand. <laughs> there are cat pictures like every ten feet in this whole house. Well, but so here, because they're, so oh, so they're so cute. Oh God, stop! They're so cute. Like you know, okay. cat figurines. <laughs> All right, just like Brandon's house. Here's here's what I want to know. <laughs> I'm so here's sure. what I want. How <laughs> how do you clean it? Be because 
you know, that's a question that comes up on the forums a lot. You know, you, hey, I just bought this house. I've done everything. I cannot get the smell out. What, what do you do? Well, there's a few things we can do. First of all, you, you just get everything out of there. We're, we're tearing every bit of carpet. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there's just so much stuff in there that's been collecting that smell. You got to get it out. Uh, and second, there's something that we use, you know, besides paint and that kind of stuff that you can really, um, obviously in a house like that, you're painting everything. But there's also a thing that we use like a, called an ionizer, I believe, and you can get it like Home Depot or whatever. And a lot of times you use it for mold, uh, but it cycles the air. It really helps uh, actually clean particles out of the air. And it, and it does an amazing job of getting that smell uh, out, out, of, out of spaces like that. So yeah. for mold or smells or whatever. So we use that a lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. And hopefully, you know, any places that have mold, the mold has also been removed. You're not oh, just yeah. running the ionizer to cover <laughs> up the, the stench of no. mold. Yeah. No, that's another lesson learned. And, and, and people really uh, should make sure that they, they have the, the compass driving in the right direction. And that when we find things like that, we've built in the budget to fix them, whether it's mold or something else. And we do it right. And we know that we can go to sleep at night, that we've done the, the, a great job and, and we have a great business. And, and that's, you know, that when the investors get the bad name, I think that's one of those situations where we band-aid it rather than fixing it. And I don't do that. Yeah, yep. no, that's great, and and I it's it's really important. I I harp on it all the time. You know, listen, we we, you know, if one of us goes and does a crap job on a rehab or you know manages their property terribly, it reflects poorly upon the rest of us, and it makes it harder for everybody. It really does, and and not only for everybody else, but it also makes it harder for you. So you know, if you're doing a, a great job as as an investor, it's only going to come back and help you out. So that's yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. Hey, how are you finding deals today? I mean, what's your main strategy for finding stuff? Well, I actually just uh, did my first wholesale deal. And this flip that I'm talking about actually came through a wholesaler. Uh, we are buying stuff on the MLS still, especially in the rental, those rental areas. And for a while, we were able to pick up some properties that were flips on the market. But right now, in, in the KC market anyway, almost all those aren't getting out of the investor time period where you know that there's 15 days or 20 days for for owner occupants to buy them, and then they're not being um, you know they're they're being picked up. So uh, I'm putting a lot more time and effort into the relationship with several wholesalers and through Bigger Pockets. Actually, I've I've connected with quite a few different wholesalers and 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 building that network that we can do uh, through like a bigger pockets, which is totally awesome guys, by the way. Thank you. Uh, and I love it and I love spending time on there and, and the relationships that I've um, gotten from bigger pockets have already uh, contributed to deals that are coming in financing and, and all kinds of things. So it's, it, it really is worth the time and effort. And, and by the way, you can't expect to have deals and those sort of things coming out of bigger pockets if you don't put in the time and effort to do it. Yeah. So that, that's really important. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, nice. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. 
With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership, and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker & Dunlop, one of the largest commercial real estate finance and advisory services firms in the nation. As an unparalleled leader in commercial real estate, CEO Willie Walker frequently appears as an expert on major platforms like CNBC and the New York Times. He's even been on the Bigger Pockets podcast network too. On the Walker webcast, you'll hear from guests like A-Rod, renowned economist Dr. Peter Linneman, and experts from Walker and Dunlop's capital markets, research, and investment sales groups. So fire up the Walker webcast on your favorite podcast app or join live on Wednesdays to see Willie interact with his guests. Plus, you can always catch the replay on demand afterward. Stay ahead of the curve with insights for life from the Walker webcast. Learn more and subscribe to the Walker webcast at walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. And be sure to follow Walker and Dunlop on all your favorite social media channels too. That's walkerdunlop.com slash pockets. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. So, so you wrote a post. I want to. I wanted to make sure I touch on this today. You wrote a post a couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, um, called uh, "The Art of Saying No" or "How to Avoid Buying a House That Could Literally Kill Somebody." Oh yeah. 
I'm wondering if you can, I guess, tell us a little bit about those because you know not everyone listens to the podcast. We have you know tens of thousands of people listening to this show. Not everyone's read that. Can you kind of tell us? Maybe hit both those. I want to hit both those things. So talk about why saying you know how to say no, and also tell us that story about that house. Yeah, it was you know the Glenda the Good Witch. Remember the house falls. <laughs> He's in Kansas after all. I you know I knew you could tie that back in. I I, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, well, first I. I think being able to to look back kind of now having heard my story, uh, the art of saying no comes very quickly now for me because <laughs> it, yeah. it, it, it was a matter of saying, okay, well, you know, it's a lot easier to say no and not have to deal with it than it is to say yes and be in the middle of it and really wish you'd said no. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I don't specifically remember the language I used in that, that in that uh, blog post, but for me, it was a matter of saying, do I understand the deal? Does it make sense? Does it make money? Does it pass the gut test and I really feel good about it and I can sleep tonight knowing that I just bought this house? And if it doesn't pass those things and it's not working and you have to force to try to make that deal, uh, don't do it. Yeah. And, and I think one of the taglines I used was, you know, there's a deal for everyone, but this deal might not be for you. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So um, I like the gut test too, by the way. I mean, I think, yeah. I think people should rely on that more than, than anything. I mean, you rely on the numbers, but you know, you, you, you got usually is, you know, intuition. And, and so I, I love or, that you more importantly that. is your wife's intuition. Like that's, what yes. <laughs> yes. that, like every time, like my wife's been like, I really don't think we should buy this one. And I do anyway. Yeah. It, it's always a mistake. Like those yeah, are the and, ones that let's grow up on. And if you don't have a wife or your wife's intuition is bad, just call Brandon's. <laughs> yeah. She'll, she'll tell you what to buy. She's, she's great like that. All right. So let's talk about the house that could kill someone. How, I mean, what, what so, was that story? I tell you what, uh, I posted on Facebook saying, I want, you know, I'm buying a house in the next 30 days, you know, who has a deal? And within 12 hours, I had two, two responses on Facebook. So, uh, that was cool. And I'm like, Hey, maybe this works. Uh, so one of them was this house and, uh, I did my due diligence. I looked at some comps. I had some understanding of what that neighborhood was and it's actually close to where I grew up. And so, uh, I drove there, drove you know, drove the neighborhood, and uh, walked up to the house. And uh, from what I'd heard from uh, the seller was there was some work that needed to be done. Well, I walk in, and immediately you kind of cross the threshold into this house. And there's a, the first room that you see uh, looks like uh, it was the worst drywall job I have ever seen. Like a monkey and a three year old did it together. <laughs> you know. It, they were just in there going at it <laughs> and, and, and it was a party. And when it was done, it was like curious George, you know? <laughs> uh, so you don't, you don't know what you're going to get, but they had fun doing it. Uh, and so you walk not that much further down and you walk into the bathroom guys, the, the panel, the electrical panel is in the shower. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. In the shower. Stop. Come so, on. So you guys, you're like, you're like, you wake up, you're like, I'm feeling great. Get out of your bed. You walk to the bathroom, you brush your teeth, you jump in the shower, and boom, you're staring in the face of water coming at you and the electrical panel. That's uh, oh my amazing. god. Wrap, wrap your brain around that one. Uh, I, I think that's in the value engineered DIY <laughs> category. <laughs> so you walk into this, the you know, out of there quickly. And into the so-called master bedroom, and uh, there's no flooring uh, at all. It's just you know, 
OSB-ish. And uh, there's no, no drywall, floor, ceiling, anything, nowhere. Uh, every single joint, uh, <laughs> I, it still scares me thinking about it now. <laughs> so every joist above my head is sistered. And then I look to the wall, and there are literally the foundation brackets that you put like in a house that's settling in the wall. Uh, there's no lighting other than literally a piece of Romex coming out of a wall and a light bulb attached to the end of the, you know. <laughs> so at this point, obviously, I'm starting to think about my, you know, life insurance policy holder and, you know, making sure that I had had everything, you know, lined up correctly. Uh, you know, do I call my wife and, you know, tell her I love her? Uh, so we walk around the other side. There's another bedroom. Uh, come to find out, they had put that one on too. It literally bounced like a trampoline, and it felt like it was gonna, you know, come off the side of this house. Uh, and and the best part of this whole story was they had they had taken they had gone and cut a hole in this roof to add the second story on, but they obviously didn't know what they were doing. And it rained the day that they actually cut the hole in the roof. Oh no. And so not only did they not know what they were doing, they had no engineering expertise, they had no contracting expertise, they hadn't, you know, built it correctly, and they had all this water damage from having the, you know, heavens opened up on the house, uh, you know, the day that they chose to, you know, bust the skill saws out and cut a big hole in it. So, yeah, it was... Yeah, that's not good. So you didn't didn't buy it? (laughs) I I did not buy it. Was Was the seller, the person that you were dealing with, were they the seller or were they the whole, a wholesaler in this one? I might've missed that. Sorry. It's okay. Uh, um, it's the, it was the seller. Um, were, now did you actually, were they there with you or was it? Yes. Major, oh yeah. man. I, I like, I, I don't know. That would have been real hard for me to, to, you know, bite my tongue. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't. Bite my tongue. <laughs> and, 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 and let me tell you what I mean by that. And, and I think this is important for people to hear. Okay. So, you know, as we know the backside of our of my story and, and knowing that we'd said yes to, so many times and probably, you know, five years ago I'd have been, you know, gung-ho about doing something with this house and it would have been a horrible idea because I wanted to help her. And I think it's important that we understand as investors that we're going into situations that are horrible sometimes and these people have no idea how to get out. Everybody else has told them no. No real estate wants to, uh, agent wants to go into that house. And how do we help solve the problem? Because that's what we're there for. Yeah. And so for her... I, I literally said something like, you know, there's no way I'm buying this house. And, and I want you to hear me say this, that uh, I don't think you should be living in this house either. And I, I'm not sure if I told her I thought it oh, was Oh, she was living in there? Oh, yeah. They're living in this house. <laughs> oh, jeez. So I told her immediately. I'm like, literally, I, I think you should get out of this house right now. And... I I went through the a couple options I thought she had, which was short sale, and it, I'm not sure what it would sell for or if they'd ever approve it because she owed just a pile of money on this house. Demolish. Or second, yes, I said literally, uh, you know, call your bank, mail the keys, throw a party, and move <laughs> out. You know, get out. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Uh, well, I, I think this is a really important story because I mean I know as. People always say like a job of a real estate investor is to solve problems. Like, and we're all problem solvers. We like to solve these puzzles and put the deal together. And I know I'm guilty of that, always trying to make every deal fit. And I've heard it said like, there's always a price for every property, but sometimes there isn't right. Like sometimes there's opportunity cost and there's, and there's other issues that 
yeah, maybe you could solve this problem if you really put enough work into it, but is it really worth it? Well, and I totally agree. And, and I think like, for instance, if I was an investor that had, say, uh, I do, all I do is flips and I do flips in the area and I have maybe a, a, a general contractor, somebody on my payroll, or I have uh, an, a, a, you know, contractor person that I actually uh, partner with on a regular basis that we could go in and tear that down. Uh, but I don't really do that. That's not my business model. And so for me to take that time and learning that whole new process in the midst of all of that uh, kind of heralds me back to the beginning of my real estate career and saying, okay, no, this is not my model. This is not what I understand. And this is not some something that I can spend all this time and energy on uh, you know, in, in this deal. And I don't think it's going to make any money anyway. So uh, you know, that's when you kind of move on from it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that is awesome. great advice. I mean, yeah. I, 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 people need to, to, to learn to do that. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. and really, really quick. I mean, you're literally just, that's just learning how to say no to a bad or unworkable deal. And it's, it's not easy for everybody. I mean, you know, they, people, we hear a lot of people on the show and, you know, people talk about this all the time. Hey, the, you know, any deal is, is, you know, any, anything you can, you, you know, you talk them down, get them down and do it. But you looked at your picture and you said, oh, I don't, you know, I could probably get them down, mm -hmm. but I don't have the pieces in place to manage and deal with this deal. And, and, and I think that self-evaluation, which you, you didn't have before the crash and you, you, you acquired thereafter, is extremely important. And, and again, I urge everybody listening to, you know, try and develop that intuition, that skill, because uh, that's, that's huge, huge, huge. Um, Right. And, and also empathy for those people uh, or sympathy, you know, and understanding that, hey, I mean, these people are living in this house and uh, and it's a terrible situation. And, and so you can just walk out of there. But for me, I really wanted to be able to at least say I did everything I could to help her, not just in the situation uh, because I couldn't buy it, but because it's the right thing to do. And even though I didn't make a dime on it, uh, give her some direction and, and make her feel like at least she has some options to get out. Yeah. So. You know, on that, on that topic of, you know, helping people no matter what, one thing that I find, I guess, interesting when I started advertising for motivated sellers and, you know, whether it was on Facebook, um, or whatever. And people started calling me. I was really nervous at first to talk to people. Cause I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. I can't help most of these people. I mean, what am I, what do I know? Um, if I can't buy their house, but what I found was actually really cool is, is kind of take it from the, the standpoint of, I know more about real estate than any of these people do clearly. I mean, mm -hmm. even a beginner in real estate investor probably knows more about real estate than these people do. So like, I don't know. That's just, I, it's kind of off point here a little bit, but I just want to like kind of encourage people. You can help people whether or not you're going to get money out of a deal or not, whether or not you're going to make a dime or not, like make it your goal to help the person in every single phone call that comes in every conversation you have, try to help that person, uh, fix their situation, whether or not you can do anything or not. Why, well, why, 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 why would somebody, do, I, I, I mean, well, no, I agree with you, but like, why would, why would somebody do that? There's some beyond just being a good person. There's also some value that comes out of it. What, what comes with that? Well, for me, very clearly is is more deals and and i i can say 100% there are multiple people that i have bought their homes or helped their friends buy homes who have then called me with another deal uh i have this friend i have you know my mother needs to sell or whatever and so i think i believe 
uh, I believe in karma. I believe what comes around goes around and that we, we do the right thing because we know in the end uh, it comes back around to us. And, uh, you know, just, just kind of going back to uh, Brandon, also just thinking the fact that, um, you know, what we like through speaking with sellers, you just get better at it yep. and you, you understand what their needs are and you understand how to listen because that's, that's everything. If you can't understand what the problem is, you can't solve it. Yeah. And, and so, and I'm a, I'm a huge uh, proponent of having a mentor. And for me, you know, with the mentors in my life could not only talk through deals, but they can do, you know, actual role playing and that kind of stuff. And uh, understanding, you know, have a script, look at somebody else's script, understand where you're going. So at least until you get uh, to the point where you understand what questions to ask and, and know how to go from there, that you're able to um, have have a confidence going to that conversation. So how do you find how do you find somebody that you know will take you under their wing, a mentor, somebody that can help you? I mean, without paying the nine ninety seven a month kind of guy. I mean, <laughs> how do you, how do you find yeah. that? Well, for me. Uh, my mentor came <laughs> off Craigslist. Uh, I literally called the guy uh, after looking at an ad for a home that he had for sale. And uh, I looked at his business and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is the kind of guy I should have had in the first place, which was, you know, a bunch of properties under management had done, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars of flips and had a brokerage and had uh, people that worked for him and, and a structure in place clearly that was operating on a scale that could grow. And so I took him to lunch. Nice. And, you know, from that came not only a mentor, not only somebody that I trusted to run a deal by, but he also actually became uh, a funder and a partner in deals. And I knew I had finally established the relationship and, and the and the trust when he actually called me uh, asking for deals and saying, what do you have going on? I have funds available. On, let's, let's do some deals. Nice. That's great. I, I love that. I mean, we've talked about yeah. that before, but I don't think we could you know, say that enough about the idea of, of finding a local successful investor that you can just partner or, or you know, learn from and eventually you never know what will happen. I mean, you don't go into it like assuming you're going to do that, but I just think it's so powerful to do that. And yeah. I love that you are an exact example of what I always you know, harp on with that. So, And we, we talk about that in our Ultimate Beginner's Guide. And, and for those people who haven't heard of it or haven't read it, um, it's biggerpockets.com slash UBG, Ultimate Beginner's Guide. Um, and, and, you know, we, we talk about education and, and how, to, how to get training and how to learn the industry. And, uh, you know, as... Anybody who knows anything about bigger pockets knows you know, that this is really one of the big things for me as well. Is you know I, I just I don't see why somebody would need to pay someone in California or New York or Ohio or wherever you know a place that you are not you know who's charging you x amount of dollars you and you know ten fifty a hundred a thousand five thousand ten thousand people some amount of money for them to train you. Um, when you can find somebody local in your area who's got boots on the ground, who can hold your hand, who you could go sit down for coffee with and who you're not on the clock with, you know, so there's a big difference between like, Hey, Oh, I get, I get 60 minutes once every two weeks to talk to this guy. <laughs> who's this national guru. He's on TV or he's got a course or whatever it is, you know, you don't have to do that. 
you can just find that local guy who's successful. And these guys want to find you because you know what? If you're going to be working and you're going to be helping them out, it's in their interest to find young, hardworking investors who are excited. You're going to bring them deals. You're probably possibly going to partner with them. Find those guys. Those guys are going to help you blow your business up. And you know what? It's not going to cost you a dime. Maybe it'll cost you, you know, 10 bucks for a hamburger or a cup of coffee. Right. Money well spent. And, uh, you know, I think I think having a mentor, depending upon what the business model is and that kind of thing, if it's somebody that really uh, does that niche business uh, or whatever, it, it's probably worth uh, paying somebody depending upon what it is. But, you know, if you're paying a big pile of money for some guru guy that, you know, you're not having that personal relationship with uh, to understand and really, you know, be invested in your business. Yeah. Uh, now, the second part, too, is and I actually uh, – Met with somebody off of Bigger Pockets, had coffee, he bought, it was great. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about, he had a potential for uh, a, a partner. And we were talking about what the splits were offered in the deal. And I won't go into details on that, but that uh, he was kind of questioning uh, his split. And I said, dude, you have no, nothing to offer. You know, yeah. other than your your energy, enthusiasm, and willingness to do that, and all of a sudden we left that meeting, uh, and he's like, "Thank you, thank you for for putting it in perspective." Because as as new investors, we we have a lot to learn, and so we can take that enthusiasm, we can take an opportunity where we can make still a great amount of money. This other person is is the risk they're taking all the risk they're taking they're funding the whole deal they're teaching you on the same time and you get that edu- education and by the way out of that um, you know meeting came some potential for for some some amazing funding and partnership which was cool oh fantastic yeah. that's great that's awesome man I love this uh, we could talk about this forever but uh, we got to move on and we're gonna hit up the uh, world famous fire round right now it's time for the fire round <laughs> This is the fire round. All right. <laughs> All right, the fire round. These questions come straight out of the Bigger Pockets forums, which you can get to at biggerpockets.com slash forums. All right, question number one. When is it the right time to take action in real estate? We kind of touched on this earlier, but when, it, when do you know it's the right time to actually jump in? You've learned enough. You can go make get your first deal. That's a great question. I You know, I think the time... Uh, is when you've aligned the pieces. So do you have some money in reserves? Do you have some uh, experience education, whether it's your mentor or reading? You know, maybe you have gone to some sort of uh, seminar or something, fine. Um, I, I think once you kind of have the stars aligned and you've gotten some education, and maybe it's a lot more education or maybe it's a lot more on the mentor side. And, and, and I think the thing to, to me after all the things I'd gone through, uh, it was really important to me to have some money in the bank when we went out and bought uh, in investments, because if you don't have anything to cover uh, the rainy day fund or something uh, that comes up or some issue, uh, that was the thing to me. That what are you going to do if you have no options? So um, you know, have your game plan, have a business plan, have an understanding of what you're actually going to look. Uh, for buying, uh, whether it's fix and, fix and flip or wholesale or, you know, those kind of deals and, and then go for it. Nice. Cool. Nice. Like awesome. It. All right. What's your, your top secret, your number one secret to winning a negotiation? Well, know, know the answers before you ask the questions and 
and you have to be able to understand their motivation and be able to make it a win-win situation. And uh, I, I love Michael Quarles and I love hearing him talk. And, and I think and, um, he, he has a, a great point. And uh, as far as understanding like, Hey, this house needs a lot of repair. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. You know, you, yep. you have to find your ways to, to the questions that lead you to the answers that lead you to um, what you're trying to accomplish, which is buy a house at the right price. Because in real estate, we make the money when we buy it, not when we sell it. So, you know, if you can establish um, your game plan going into that deal and kind of understanding where you need to go uh, and, and that the seller understands and they have a full picture of what's going on and why you're offering what, they're, what you're offering and that you actually can close because there's a lot of guys that will walk in there and they'll talk a bunch of stuff and then they don't close the deal. Nice. And you're, you're talking about show 77 with Michael Quarles, the negotiation show. Um, I think you are. It was, uh, he had two shows with us. Uh, uh, you can find that at show 77, biggerpockets.com slash show 77. Um, and that'll get you access to that Michael Quarles show. Um, so yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. Next question. How do you find a good lawyer that understands the investor mindset? Man, that is a great question. Uh, it, it is vital that that attorney understands and, and probably does real estate. And for me, it was a matter of, I literally interviewed a bunch of people and I wanted to hear what the, what they've done. I wanted to hear uh, if they were a, a real estate investor themselves, or maybe they've been in partnership with others. And for me, uh, I have multiple attorneys that I go to and they have very specific niches that they work in. One's more contracts, one's more, you know, actual, um, you know, kind of a court proceeding type of uh, attorney that if we actually have to go in and actually file a lawsuit against somebody. Uh, so you have to really understand what their strength is and play to their strengths, just like anything else in an investor or a deal or whatever. Nice, nice. Cool. Cool. All right, what, what's, the, uh, what's the best season of the year to sell real estate? Oh, gosh. <laughs> anytime well here, here's the thing like in every in season market, <laughs> in this market I, i'm fired up that winter's coming because it's a great time to buy yep uh and so, so i know that uh houses are going to sit longer and people are going to be mo more motivated because they're not going to want to pay that gas bill they're not going to want to pay that electric bill um and so that's a great time to buy. And, and here, you know, in the spring uh, or in the summer after school's out, a lot of times are the best times to, to sell. But uh, in our market right now, there's, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of great comps for the, the properties that we're flipping in, in the areas. And, uh, you know, we generally don't buy in areas where there's not a fast turnaround for a flip because we don't want it sitting there. And so we have a great product. It doesn't last on the market, you know, more than, you know, days and weeks so nice great great all right final question of the fire round uh this is kind of self-serving here but it was a question so uh what aspect of bigger pockets has helped you the most in your real estate endeavors uh you know i think that a, a very immediate access to people who know something and that are willing to talk about it and i think that's part of the thing for me with with bigger pockets is understanding okay there are people with with a different uh, a different market, different paradigm, uh, what they live in, maybe how many deals they've done or how much money they've made or whatever. But you are able to, to tap into 
a whole network of people who one care, two want to help, and three for the most part give pretty good advice. And, and so if there's uh, especially when you once you get a few people who are commenting on something, it's not just one person uh, that you can kind of get uh, a feeling uh, of what's going on. And so I think that's that's the real benefit, even for things for me that I haven't I haven't necessarily done before. Uh, I've used it for that where you know understanding a sub two deal or something like that, where you can put it out there and really have a bunch of people who've actually done it, uh, been there, done that, and can can help you give give some direction. Awesome. Great. Great. That's great. Great. All right. Let's move on to the last section of our show, which we uh, lovingly call the famous four. All right. These questions we ask everyone. And uh, I know the audience is excited to hear what your answers are. So number one, what is your favorite real estate book? Well, you know, I have two that I've I've kept and used for a long time. And uh, so one is the Millionaire Real Estate Guide to Investing. And um in that company, that the Keller Williams brand, they have a, a bunch of different books that I really do think are pretty good. And that book has been really helpful, kind of more uh, in a macro level. And the second book that I, I've used a, a whole lot is the Unofficial Guide to Real Estate Investing. I love um, that book. Martin Stone, Spencer yeah. Strauss. I, I I have that book, and I think they're they're really good balance between those two books uh, from a lot more details and nitty-gritty and that unofficial guide to real estate investing and then you know more macro view and some marketing and skills and that kind of stuff in the other. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that book. That was one of the probably the most influential books on me was that unofficial guide to real estate investing. So if people haven't you know read that yet, definitely get it. Uh, that's actually on our list. Both those books are on our list of the top 22 best real estate books of all time, uh, which I will put a link to in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 87, maybe? <laughs> I'll edit this later if it's not correct. Uh, all right. Uh, next question. What is your favorite business book? Oh, I just stole your question, Josh. Oh, oh deal with it. Deal with man. it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. Now I'm going to answer this question. Ouch. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you'd consider it a business book, but I, I was thinking about uh, one book which somebody on this show continues not to read for our work week, which I, I really do enjoy. And uh, I, at some point, I'm going to dedicate a whole blog post to just harassing you uh, <laughs> about this book. But uh, I'm not going to use that one. I'm going to say Unlimited Power, Tony Robbins. And uh, I love this book because I love the fact that there's so many different ways to look at people in this book and understanding uh, the structure of how you can actually, like anything else, if you don't have internally, if you're not internally set up for a deal, it doesn't matter how good the deal is because you're not prepared for it. And so it, there's so many great things about understanding how to, how to look at people, understanding how to look at deals, understanding how to read people. And so it has just been a hugely helpful book. And I take it uh, almost any time I travel uh, just as the book to, to dig back into, read back through and, and look at. That's cool. Nice. Yeah. I, you know, like a week ago, all of a sudden it occurred to me, I'd never read a Tony Robbins book and I was like, how is that possible? And so like I went on Amazon, I was looking, trying to find the best one. So now that you recommended that I'm going to buy that today. So. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great book. Cool. And by the way, it was a gift from a uh, mentor in my life who happened to be a real estate attorney and title a company owner. And and uh, it was it was one of those times for me, too. I'm like, I can't believe I haven't read this book, but yeah. uh, it's awesome. Cool. Cool. Love it. Cool. Hobbies. What do you do for fun? 
Well, I've been a professional musician longer than I've been uh, a real estate investor. And um, so I play guitar, play bass, play piano and sing uh, professionally. And then I also um, absolutely love CrossFit and uh, I'm uh, an addict for sure. And uh, we, I also just completed uh, another triathlon this last weekend uh, as well. So I really enjoy wow. that kind of stuff. What'd you complete? A triathlon? Triathlon. Oh, yes. triathlon. Oh, I thought it, I thought <laughs> the sound must have jumbled out there. I was like, what's a triathlon? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, that's a, that's a new sport. I, yes. well, I, I don't know. Weights you, and bacon. You, uh, cross, uh, you CrossFit guys make stuff up as you go along. So I'm just trying to, you know. We, we only make stuff up because it sounds that way because other people are afraid to, you know, necessarily jump in and do it. I right. Think. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, listen, I haven't sweated in like, you know, <laughs> five, 10 years. So yeah. If I had a CrossFit gym in my area, I would go or even anybody who did it, but I live in Podunk, so whatever. You do. Well, you know, you could build your own little, you know, garage and do it. Yeah, but I would just like throwing things around and not knowing what I'm doing. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll come have you coach me someday, Nathan. This will be good. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll do it in this great state of Kansas after all. Oh, good luck. Good luck. All right. Show eighty seven. We're almost done. Let's get there. All right. Finally. What do you believe sets apart successful investors from those who never give up, never get started, or just fail? Uh, I think it's the importance of patience and perseverance. And uh, if you don't have patience to understand the deals and and your education and learn uh, your craft, then you're never going to be able to persevere through whatever, whether it's a great deal or it's a tough deal. And uh, for us to be able to have the understanding of what is is and isn't a deal and to grow in our education, grow in our uh, philosophy, our business, uh, and, and really understanding what our model is in doing it over and over and over and over. And even if you aren't in a position where you can buy something yet, practice and write out the deal and understand the deal and understand what your market is and understand that uh, eventually because you've done it over and over and over again it becomes easier and and that you can actually be successful doing it nice that's awesome that's awesome cool. all right man where do people find out more information about you where can they link up with you well uh they can definitely find me on uh, bigger pockets and i also uh, have a website fix flip rent kc.com uh, that they can also connect there awesome Nathan, thank you so much for sharing your story. We really, really do appreciate it. I know we dug into some things that were difficult, um, and and uh, I know I, I certainly appreciate the uh, willingness to be open about uh, everything. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure, guys. All right. Thank you. All right, guys. That was Nathan Brooks from somewhere in the middle of America. I think the state is Kansas. I'm not sure that there's a lot of people living there, but if you're one of them, please don't send hate mail. Uh, no, seriously, Nathan was awesome. You know, really appreciate him being so open about his life and, and what he's been through. And, and, you know, we all go through tough times and, and uh, I think it's great for others to learn from it. So we always appreciate when somebody's willing to be open about these things. That is true. That is true. I know back on our very first podcast we ever did, uh, it was uh, on how to lose a million dollars with Marty Boardman. So yeah, people can uh, definitely, if you've listened to that one, this one will be kind of uh, familiar. So it's it's good to hear those stories. So with that, let's get out of here, Josh. Yeah. Well, before we do, again, a quick thanks to our sponsor, Pensco, uh, Pensco Trust, and you could learn more about them at learn.pensco.com. Uh, definitely check them out. We'll have a link to that in our show notes as well. Otherwise, listen, 
if you haven't done it, you heard Nathan, he's on there, he's active, he's making partners and friends and doing business with people because, you know, bigger pockets is the place to be. So if you're not on bigger pockets yet, jump on, create an account today. It's free. www.biggerpockets.com and start engaging, connecting. Otherwise, hang out with us on Facebook, on Twitter, on G+, on LinkedIn, on Pinterest. We're, 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 we're everywhere. And uh, that's it. Get out there, make things happen, learn, be successful, be kind to others. And I don't know, go walk an old lady across the street, do something cool. Good man. Yeah, there you go. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.